Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. I took over Activate Church to be the senior pastor in 2013 with my wife, Sarah. And so we began pastoring it. And there were a lot of uh, challenges. There were a lot of good things that happened. There was a lot of uh, things that, that were difficult at different times. But I can tell you this, that uh, you know, being, being a pastor and leading a church is one of the most rewarding things I, I've ever done. It still remains uh, one of the greatest decisions that I've ever made is really to lead this um, because I have a passion to see people come to know who God is. Uh, we have ha- had a mission as a church uh, to see people saved, free, equipped, and sent in Jesus' name. Saved, free, equipped, and sent. One of the reasons why we have that as a mission is simply because we believe that that is the life cycle of every believer. How many of us know that, um, you know, in, in order to become a Christian, the first thing you need to do is you need to come to know who Jesus is. If you're here, you've never given your life to Jesus, you'll have an opportunity to do that later tonight. But I think that what's so important is that we introduce people to Jesus. And that's like step one. You know, let, let's, let's not try to fix people up or get them to start living right. I think the, the best thing we can do is introduce them to the one that can forgive them for every wrong decision that they've ever made. And, uh, and his name is Jesus. And so we want to introduce people to Jesus. How many would understand, though, that, you know, even though you may be a Christian following Jesus, you've had your sins forgiven, you can still be totally messed up. Uh, Christians are some of the most messed up people I've ever met, you know, and, and uh, this is true because, you know, uh, now we're trying to make a decision to go in the direction that's opposite to the way that the world is going. So sometimes people get saved, but they have to go on a process, a journey to get free. After people get free, we want to see people, people be equipped so they know who they are in Christ so that they know what are the gifts and the grace that's on their life. And if you're here tonight and you say, well, that's really great for all the people that, you know, are really Christian or go to this church, let me tell you this, right? Even if you're here tonight and you do not even know who Jesus is, there is something unique that God wants to do with your life. There is a gift and a grace that's inside of you, and I believe that when you give your life to Jesus, it starts to become active and it is used to serve Him in His kingdom. There is things that we want to do. We want to train and equip people so that they know what they're, what they're doing. And then, and then, of course, the last thing is to send people out into the mission fields, whether that be their workplace or across the world, and so they can repeat the process by introducing other people to Jesus. That's our mission. That doesn't change. Now, what I want to talk about tonight is if we do that, that's what we do, okay? So mission is what we do. Vision is what we see. So if we just keep doing that and we do it very well tonight, I want to tell you what I think it looks like and what God has uniquely shaped, called, and uh, given a vision to us to do. Let me, let me begin with this quote. People don't seem to wander around and find themselves at the top of Mount Everest. Zig Ziglar said that. And it's so true, isn't it? I don't think anybody ever mistakenly wandered to the top of Mount Everest and said, well, would you look at that highest mountain in the world? No one's ever done that. Because if you were going to do that, you need a map, you need to know how to get there, and you want to prepare for it, and you want to do everything you can, planning uh, and, and being intentional Uh, about getting there. And I think that when it comes to vision, it's exactly the same way. We need to be intentional. 
If we're going to be intentional, we need to know where we're going. And that's why we call it vision, so that we can all see where we're going and we can all head in the same direction together. So um, I began to pray about this a, a couple of years ago. Uh, and what's going to happen here tonight is that you're going to hear in just a few minutes and a few moments uh, a couple of years of prayer and eight solid months of planning, and you're just going to get it in a couple of minutes. So you're welcome. Um, but as I start to think about the church and start to think and envision what the church should be like, what I want to do tonight is just give you a, a bunch of words that God placed in my heart. I want to tell you what they mean to me, what they mean to our team, to our church, and then I'm just going to share with you what God's really called us to. The first thing that really comes to my mind when I think about what a church should be, honestly, should be passionate. It should be passionate. Man, let me tell you this. The gospel message is the greatest message the world will ever know. It is the most outrageously encouraging, inspiring, positive, uplifting message that anyone can ever know. The fact that God would love you in spite of anything, any mistake you've made, anything that you've done, and that's our message. And we should not expect that anyone else in the world should carry that message better than us. And so if anybody's going to be passionate about this, especially oh, especially if you've had your sins forgiven and you know what it feels like to have a relationship with Christ, is there anyone like that here tonight? Well, we've got a lot of work to do. Most of you are unsaved. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep praying for you, right? I know that's not true. But the, the point is, maybe that, maybe that is the point. Maybe that is the point. Is that, you know, who, who's passionate? And maybe sometimes we can't even say, oh, it's me. Maybe that's what some of the issue is. I, I, I don't know. But when I speak about God, genuinely, I'm passionate. And nothing, when I, when I come to church every Sunday, there is nothing that I am more excited about than to get into His presence with the people that are part, at this church. Because I fully expect God to move. Have you ever gone to a sporting event, grand final, football, basketball, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat, people? Have you ever gone into an environment like that and just seen people get excited for their club? And when they do, does it look weird? And we got a message that's greater than, than any other message, and we should be passionate about that. I, I think that some of the reason why sometimes we're not passionate, maybe we've forgotten our first love. Maybe you have been a Christian. You're just born into this. You don't even know what it feels like to have your sins forgiven because you gave your life to Jesus at three when you were crawling around your mom's legs at church. You know, and you, don't, you, you just forgot what it meant. But I'm telling you right now, we should be passionate about this message. We are not the frozen chosen. We, we, are, we are not supposed to be like that. There is something about us that should stand out. In fact, Jesus, can I tell you this? Jesus spoke directly to this. He said this in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. He said, you, everyone look at the person next to you. Actually, look at the person on your right and say, you. Now look at the person on your left and say it like this. Say, you. Right? It's you. Right? I just wanted you to know that this relates to everyone that's in the building tonight, right? If you're a follower of Christ. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Wouldn't that be so silly to light that lamp and then cover it up so it didn't actually do its job? And yet sometimes people live their life like that. It's like they are carrying the light of the world in, in them, and yet they just want to cover that up 
Jesus is directly saying in this scripture, don't do that. Don't do that. You've been set on fire for a purpose. You are set alight. And he said, don't put it under a basket. Set it on a stand so it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, specifically people that don't know who Jesus is, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to shine and shine brightly. We're supposed to stand out. If you're making it your goal in life to blend in, I don't think you know what you've been called to. We're supposed to be people that represent this message and do it so well. And, and I think that's what the church is supposed to be. You know, and, I, and, and let me say this. When I say church, so for some of you that might not really know what I mean by that, I'm not actually talking about what you do inside of this building right now. Because, sure, we are the church, and I know the language is confusing because we're inside a church, but actually the language church is not meant to mean building. It's meant to mean a people. And so I think that wherever God's people is, we should be shining His light. Amen? Yeah. And so it wouldn't really matter to me if I was in a you know, business or if I was you know, wherever I was working, whatever my job was, if I was at my sporting club, whatever it is, I know I'm supposed to be light and I'm supposed to shine that. I'm supposed to do it wherever I am. I think that, and I said this before, but God has given us things and we're supposed to use those things to bring Him glory. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. It says this, that we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That grace comes from God. It enables us to do what ordinarily would be difficult, and yet His favor is on us for that purpose. It says, if we have the gift of prophecy, we should use it in proportion to our faith. If service in serving, well, how about that? If you've got the gift of service, it's most evidently seen when you serve. Who knew? The, the, the point really is, if you've got it, use it. If God's put something inside of you, you know, start to use that to serve people that are around you. It says, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal. I think that's passion. That speaks to me of passion. And to the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I think that we're supposed to use what God's given to us and not just on Sunday. This is what the early church did. And, and if you're familiar with the story of the early church, it began to break out all over the place and thousands of people came to know who Christ was because everyone was giving their heart to God to serve Him. In fact, this is what the Scriptures say. In the book of Acts, it says, as the early church began, that they, gave, they devoted themselves, they gave themselves first to God, and then to each other. I remember when I gave my life to God as an adult. I have a very unique story. You've never heard a story like mine. When I was a child, I went to church. Then I wandered away during my teenage years only to come back. <laughs> so unique. This is my story. I remember when I gave, came back and I gave my life to Jesus, it totally revolutionized how I did life. See, it didn't, it didn't just change how I spent my time. It changed how I spent my money. It, it, it changed my focus. It, it changed the language that came out of my mouth. It changed everything about me. And, and I think that this is what the gospel is meant to have that effect on people. It's meant to transform you. It's meant to change you. I mean, Ro just spent some time preaching about that tonight. It's supposed to transform us. 
And, and so I think that when we give ourselves first to God, if you're the kind of person that gives yourself first to God, I promise passion follows. Because if you give yourself fully to God, He say, I'm totally yours. Do whatever you want. Lead me where you want me to go. Send me wherever and I'm there, right? Passion will begin to follow. And so my, my, my point is, is if we're going to be the church, then we should absolutely be passionate. We should be hungry. We should be devoted to God. I think that we shouldn't look to anyone else to do that. That's just number one, we should be passionate. You know, when I think about the church, number two, I think it should be life-giving. I think it should be life-giving. You know, the world is so discouraging. You know, and, and whatever people's experience has been in the world, I think that when they come to church, they should find some hope in this place. And they should find hope for a very good reason, because God is in this place. And wherever God is, there is always hope. I tell you this, when it, when it comes to church, this is what the Bible says. It says that in Christ or in Him was life and life was the light of men. There should be something evident of life in what we say that's in this place. And it really wouldn't matter where you were, what environment you were in, or what worlds collide. Wherever you are, you should speak life into people. We have enough people that prophesy death and sickness and disease and, 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 and you see it on television. People, people are going anxiously out of their minds, freaking out about what they might have. And yet we should be speaking words of life. You know, the thing that I think about the church is, and let me just be really totally honest about this. I think that when the conviction of the Spirit of God comes, it changes people. So what we really need in church is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we should get really excited about that because even when you're convicted, so, so when I say you talk about the conviction of the Spirit of God, I'm, what I mean to say is, is if there are things in your life that are not right, it's, when you get convicted of it, it's like the Spirit of God just puts His hand on your shoulder and says, hey, you should know that this is still an issue. This is a problem. You should deal with it. And so for all the conviction that's there, there is just as much encouragement because whatever you're convicted of, we know that Christ has forgiven us for. Yeah. And so I think that in church, yeah, there should be some conviction and there needs to be some truth, but there's also grace and encouragement to meet that. We need this great balance of truth because without truth, no one's going to know which way to go. But without grace, gonna, people are going to feel like they're trapped and they can't go anywhere. We need the balance of both grace and truth. We need both conviction, but we also need encouragement. And wherever you are and wherever people that call this church their home are, they should be recognized as people that speak life. If you're in your workplace, are you the greatest, most uplifting, encouraging person that can be there? Or do you find a problem everywhere? You know, are you super spiritual looking for a demon under every rock? You know, I mean, we don't really need that either. What we need is people that speak life and are encouraging. And I tell you this, we have every reason to encourage people. You know why? Because we have Christ. We have, we have Him. And the Bible says that in Him is life. That life becomes a guiding light that helps to guide people. And so I think we should be, number two, we should be a church that speaks life, that we should be life-giving. Number three, 
Um, if I'm going to be really honest about where I see this church going and its future, I just see it big. I do. I see it big. I see it big because I just think that that's what God's called us to do. You know, uh, my wife and I, when we first got married, uh, after a couple of years, we decided to have children. So we had our, our firstborn son. His name is Judah. And so we had a child. And at that time, we had a, we had a 12 square home, right? So it wasn't really big. It was a pretty small little house. And we recognized that we wanted to grow our family. And so we moved out of the house that we were in. And, and you know, we had a second son. His name was Isaac. You know, he, he came along. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we loved him. We loved both of our kids. And then we decided, hey, you know what? Uh, let's, let's have a, a third child. And, and, and when we were going to have a third child, we understood that we needed to move house again. So we, because we, we, our house, we haven't lo- lived in a lot of big houses, you know? And, and so we, we, we actually bought a new house and our family expanded and, and increased again. And, and, and um, I was sharing this with people this morning. It was actually a little bit awkward um, even though we're expanding our house, because I had to have a, a really tough conversation with one of my kids. And if you're a parent, this is really one of the hardest things you have to do. Um, you know, Eliana, she's, she's our third born. She came along, and, uh, and we loved her. And we looked at Judah, and we said, there's no more room for you. You're going to have to leave this family. <laughs> it's a really hard conversation. You know, to say it to your son. And if you're thinking, you're, are you crazy? You, you would have to be crazy to have that kind of a conversation with your son because because if you had another child what would you do you'd make room for him yeah. yeah and you know what i think about church i think the church is like a family and we love the people that we have and we don't want them to go anywhere but just you know just logically if we continue to add more people like for example if, if we managed Somehow to have another child, and, but that ship has sailed. It's not happening. <laughs> it left a dock a couple of years ago. It's so far out to sea, and it won't return in my lifetime. <laughs> it is far out to sea. Okay, so we are not having another child. But if by some miracle conception there was a child that was born in our house, I'll tell you, do you know what we would do? We wouldn't kick out any of our kids. We would do whatever we had to to make room. I think that's how the church should be. That's why we're adding another service time because we need to make more room for people that need to know this message. So we love the people that we have. We don't want them to go anywhere. Logically, if we keep adding people over the next five years, it's going to get big. And so I think we just need to acknowledge that. You know, I, I started praying about this actually because I said, I, you got to know, when I say that I want the church to continue to grow, I mean, God... He, he can add to this church whoever he wants, but I have a, a specific sort of targeted group of people in mind. It's people that don't know Jesus. So I'm not, I'm not trying to trade with anyone else. You know, I just want the people that don't know him. And, and, and I'm really interested in building this church with people that have no idea who Jesus is. And so I was praying to God about this, and I said, God... I said, you know, my heart, I want so many more people to come to know who he is. Could you just, and I, I, I didn't know what else to say. So I just kind of summarized it in this big sort of circular sentence prayer. I said, oh God, just make it big. Just let there be lots of people that don't know Jesus. And, and then I, halfway through the prayer, I thought, can I even ask you to do that? 
Like, I don't even know if that's the kind of prayer that I could pray. Can I just say, God, make it big with people that don't know you, right? And I said, God, if that's what you have for us, if that's the kind of church that you want us to be, I said, could you just, could you just confirm it? Like, just put, put something into my mind or speak to me, and I, I just want to know. The moment that I, answered, that I asked that prayer, God immediately gave me a scripture. Now, I can tell you this. I know the Bible pr- pretty well, right? But I haven't memorized all the chapters. And so he gave me the scripture. I had no idea what was in it, and I flicked to it. This is the scripture that I read. It's out of Ezekiel chapter 36. I mean, I went straight to this passage. God, can I ask you to just build this church with people that don't know who you are? Just make it big, fill it. This is what he said. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will do. Let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast, which just was swarming with people everywhere so that the waste cities shall be filled with flocks of people and then they will know that I am the Lord their God. And the moment that he said that, I understood, I got a greater insight to what I felt God was calling us to do and, and where to go and who to be as a church. Some months passed and I was, I was praying again in, into just the church and so forth and I said, Lord, I know you want to grow this church and I think I know what that means and I see what it is, but I, let me get really clear. We have just had so many w- prophetic words that have been spoken over this church that there will be you know, campuses and all the rest of that. And, and, and that's great. I've never asked for that. That's not necessarily anything that I've been chasing, but I've just heard it so many times. And so I said to God, I said, Lord, I said, we don't really need to be the next anything. You know, we're just happy to be ourselves. But if, if you want us to go down a specific route, like campuses, like I'm praying specifically, if you want us to begin to head in that direction, right? then I just want you to tell me. And I want you to make it really clear because whatever you tell me, this ship called Activate will begin to steer in that direction. So please make it clear to me, right? And and, and when I see the church is growing and being big and, and all the rest of it, I have a picture in my mind, but I want you to speak to me. I want you to make it clear. So I prayed that prayer. It's a Thursday night. I'm in church and it's Sunday morning. We've just had a great church experience. We have a man in this church. His name is Andrew Chung. He was leading worship tonight. He's sitting up the back. And Andrew Chung, mate, I just said your name. They're already clapping for you. So anyway, Andrew Chung walks off the stage and he comes to me and he says to me, Ben, I feel like the the Lord gave me a word for you for right now. It's like he wanted me to tell you this this morning. I said, what did he say to you? He said, the Lord wanted me to tell you that yes, he really wants to grow this church and make it big, and you need to think bigger than you've been thinking, and you will need a new building, and it's going to be like, you need to think multi-campus, like God said, yes, multi-campus, right? So you need to really begin to expand your thinking, and get set for the challenge that's going to be on you, because God is going to grow this place. Does that sit well? And I'm like, yep. (laughs) And if you take anything away from this, let it be this. If you ever see Andrew Chung walking directly for you, the first thing you do, repent of all of your sin and hope that you are forgiven in between the time that he's standing there and when he arrives at you because then hopefully God won't bring it up with him. I'm just joking. That won't, God doesn't work that way. He's not going to do that to you, right? right? But whatever Andrew Chung tells you, write it down because the man hears from God. And so, and so for me, when I say that I think the church should be big, there's, 
It's not my ambition or desire. It's, it's just a reality check. It's just what I honestly believe God is calling us to do. It's just an acknowledgement of the kind of church that God wants us to be. That's number three. I think it's going to get really big. Number four, and this one is so important to me. When I think about church, I think that church should just reach the lost. You know? We need to reach people that are far from God. This, is, uh, th- this point is unimaginably important to me. I think God called it the Great Commission in His Word because He knew to do what we're supposed to do, not just as one church, but as the church, globally speaking, that it's, it's going to need everybody that we all need to be engaged in this. I think that's why he called it the Great Commission. I think that this is most pressing on God's heart. I thought, if we're going to be a church and represent him, we should know what pricks his heart more than anything else. And I think it is most evidently seen how much God loves people by the fact that he would put his one and only son on the cross to pay the penalty For the sins of the world. Can I encourage you to understand this point? There is a scripture where Jesus talks about the father heart of God. He talks about God being like a shepherd. And he said that that God's the kind of shepherd who would leave the 99 that actually know him to go after the one that doesn't. And that's where we've got to get to. We've got to get to that place where we don't think that that the church solely exists to serve me and my needs, but it is first and foremost a missional uh, a group of people, organization that will go and seek out that what is most precious to him, and that is people that are far from him. I mean, the, this is what I'm talking This is eternity that's in the balance here. And I think God is looking for churches that are willing to step out and be bold. In fact, can I tell you this? The reason that we themed this year Be Bold, just full disclaimer, the whole motivation for being bold was to get people to a point where they would be willing to be honest about who they are in front of anyone and that they would introduce whoever in front of them to know who Christ is. We think the year be bold because I think that people can be really intimidated. And I do not believe that's what God has called us to be. I think that's so far from what God's called us to be that he wants us to be bold. This is why I became a pastor. Genuinely, this reason right here. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus and all my priorities shifted and changed. And the, and the first thing on my agenda is we have to introduce people to Christ. I couldn't think of anything more important to do with my whole life. In fact, that was one of my prayers. I think that was one of the, you know, you know every now and then you pray dangerous prayers and God actually believes you, you know? And I think I prayed so many of those. He said, all right, then it's time to be a pastor. Because I said, I will give you my entire life. I don't care. I just want to introduce people so that they know who you, you are. And This is why I became a pastor, so that I could be in the the best imaginable position to lead uh, a church of people or contribute in any way possible so that people could have their sins forgiven and and, and know who Christ is. And that, that was one of my main motivations. That's why when you come here to activate church, we do an altar call here every week. 
If you don't know what that is, it means at the end of the service, if you don't know who Jesus is, we give you an opportunity to give your heart and your life to him. And we do it every single week. And people have said to me over the years, they don't say it anymore, I think they just gave up in the end, but they said to me, hey, have you ever actually thought about having like an outreach evangelistic service? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why don't we just do that every week? Like, my, my, my thought is, why make people wait for six weeks until we do that special service? I thought, you know what would be really good? Why don't we just do church in such a way that on any given week, you can bring somebody into this place and we're never going to use language that they don't understand so that you know, and it's consistent, so that you know that any week you come, they're going to hear the gospel preached because if you haven't noticed, I work the gospel message into every single sermon I preach. And then at the end, there is always an opportunity for someone to give their life to Jesus because I would hate it to be true that on the one day that you brought your friend that we didn't give them an opportunity to enter into an eternal relationship with God and have their sins forgiven. I thought, why wait? Why make people wait? Let's just use contemporary language. Let's just change the way that we do church. Let's just explain it. I don't want to water it down. I'm not going to water down anything theologically. I'll still speak the truth, but when I do it, I'll explain it so it's understandable. Because if people walk out of this place and they go, wow, they use so many big words uh, and, and great presentation." no idea what he spoke about, but wow, yeah, really good, right? That is an absolute fail. I, I would rather people walk out of this place and they say, I know what that man spoke about. What he said connected with my heart, and I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I get what this is about now. Why make people wait for that? We should just do it every week. I want church to be the kind of place. Every single week, you're like, oh, it's a good week to be in church, and it's actually true. It's true because you know that every time you bring someone that they're going to understand something of the message of the gospel. And so I think that that's what we should do. I think we should explain it. If you would like to be involved in the kind of things that I'm talking about, you are in luck. We are recruiting right now. It is called the Great Commission. We need everybody on deck and we would love you to play a part in this. You know how you can do it? You can pray, but you can actually invite people to come. And you can be there and do, like I said, do everything short of sin to get people to know who Christ is. You know, just, just make it your priority in life. In fact, I love what Bill Hybels said. He said, put greater emphasis on evangelism in the morning. Did you get that? Do you know why he says you should do it in the morning? Because if you say, I'll do it later, it later never comes. So if you prioritize these things in your life and say, these things are important, let me do these things first, there is a greater opportunity for those things to come to fruition in your life. So you know what I think? I think that we should be a church that reaches the last. I think number four, number five, it's my list. It can be whatever I want it to be. <laughs> number five, we should transform community. How many of you know that this world just needs to be changed. You should be confronted by so many things every single day that just need to be changed. The world needs to be different. And you know, I, I know that God is big, but I also understand that He has selected His people to be His hands and feet. I've learned this about God, that when He wants to make a change, He often brings that change 
through people. He wants to use his people to facilitate that change. And the more obedient that his people are, and the more open they are, and the more devoted they are, and the more hungry they are, the greater he can facilitate change and transformation. The scripture says in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are things that I, when I, when I look at how things would be if they were perfect in heaven, and I look at the earth and I realize they're just so different. And there needs to be things that happen here on earth that fall into kingdom alignment and kingdom order. And I think that God is looking to his people to facilitate that. You know, when I read the scriptures, one of the things that stands out to me so significantly is how much God cares about the widow, about how he cares about the fatherless, about how he cares about those that are broken, about the poor, about the needy, about the destitute, about the people that are rejected, about the ones that nobody wants. And I think that's our job. To be the people that reach the ones that nobody else would help. And I don't want to rely on government to do the job that God's called me to do. I'm not looking for someone else. I feel like that's what God's saying to us. I'm not looking for someone else. We're supposed to be His hands. We're supposed to be His feet. You know, we we run a number of missional initiatives here, and I'm not going to go through them, but we run a number of them here. But I'll tell you this about, about, about this church, is that here there are no holy cows. No holy cows. You know, like sometimes in church, if you've been part of a church that's been really established, and they just run programs, and even if they don't work, the people that run them are happy. And as long as we keep the people happy, they keep coming to church, I'm not that kind of leader. That's not how I think. If it's not working, I'll change it. I don't care. We don't have resource to waste on things that are ineffective. For me, if it doesn't work, I'll take the people that are wasting their time and give them a better project with something that's going to bear more fruit. I, I'm just like, we don't, man, we, 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 this is eternity. We don't have time to waste. We will do whatever it takes to get people to know who Christ is, to bring transformation to their life. That's the fifth point. This is the sixth one because I think that it works so well with everything I just said. If we're going to bring transformation to culture and society, we need leaders. We need to raise up so many leaders. We need to raise up leaders in this place. I think that God wants to work through people that are leaders. I think that that's His desire. Leaders change the world. They're the ones that bring change into it. You know, when I, when I first began to lead this church, leadership was something I thought would be necessary for me to do it. I just didn't anticipate how much I would love it. I didn't anticipate how much I would love seeing people grow and develop and seeing them mature and see them be able to do things now that they never could have in the years that have gone by. Let me tell you this. We will never be short of leadership opportunities in this church. Because if we continue to do everything that God's called us to do, we're going to need to raise up so many leaders, so many people that are going to bring transformation into this place. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that leadership is a gift. I read it out before. It's a gift. It's a ministry gift. And I think that so often what the church can lack is that gift of leadership. 
Because you know, you know the thing is, if we want to start a ministry here at Activate Church, but we don't have a leader for it, it does not happen. It can't happen. If you understand anything about ministry, you, you, you've just got to know that without leaders, without someone that takes weight and responsibility, there's never been a small group that could exist without a person who decides to lead it. There's no ministry without leaders. We need people that are willing to lead it and, and take responsibility for it. We need to raise up leaders. And, we, and when you, if you think I'm just talking about church, I, I'm saying that we need to be the kind of church that raises up leaders, not just in church. We need Christian leaders everywhere. We need Christian entrepreneurs. We need Christian business people. We need Christian people in government. We need Christian people in the education sector. We need Christian people. Wherever people and society exist, we need Christian leaders to be in that space, bringing transformation so that this world begins to look different. We need leaders. And we need to be a church that raises them up so that we can have great influence and in all of these things. See, I don't think that we're just called into the future. We're supposed to shape it. So all of these things, God put on my heart. And I just wrote down what I felt God gave to me some time ago. I want to read it to you right now. This is what I see. This is what our team sees. This is what our elders see. I see a church that is passionate, devoted, hungry for God, and inspiring to the world. A church that is bold in what they believe and eager to share that message. A church where the words spoken are life-giving, whether preaching on Sunday or conversations on Monday. A church that is big and growing bigger so it can drive change on a scale so large it makes an impact. A church devoted to the cause that drove Christ to the cross to seek what was lost. A church who developed people and raise up leaders who drive transformation in culture and society. A church with the goal to change the world so it is less like the earth we know and more like the heaven we long for. And I will give my life to that cause. I can think of no higher privilege and honor than to spend the rest of my days chasing this down. And we knew that that was really hard to remember, so we made a simple version for you. A passionate, life-giving, and growing church who reached the lost and raised leaders to change the world. Because the world needs to be changed. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.